Man, I feel like I've been trying to get over this cold for like six months or something. I don't know. Anybody else need a cough drop before I get started? I got him. Well, uh, honestly, uh, I, I, I like to take time uh, praying uh, before, I, before I come up here. I know that the elders are praying for me, and I know that uh, my mom texted me this morning and let me know that she's praying for me, and, and, I, and I love that. I, I definitely feel powered by the Holy Spirit, and it's great. Um, and I'm so thankful for those prayers, but uh, my, my soul is, is burdened this morning, and I think that I would love for us to just pray. Uh, there's some people in here that, that need some prayer over their lives, and some people that I know what's going on, and some people I don't. And uh, I, I just want us as, as people of God to just, just we're just going to take a minute, we're just going to pray for all those people right now who are struggling and who need prayer right now in service. So uh, if you notice somebody around you that looks like uh, they could use a, a soft hand or a gentle hand or a loving hand, reach out to them. And, uh, and then as well, uh, if you would like us to continue to pray for you, put it in the connection card and the elders uh, will continue to pray for you. And if you want everybody to know it, then don't mark the confidential box. So let's just take a minute right now and pray. So Father, we know... We know that you are the God who heals, uh, <laughs> but we also know that all of the, the pain that we feel and experience physically and the de deterioration of our bodies and things that don't work, they remind us of the fact that everything in this world, this life is temporary, but you alone are eternal. Your kingdom is the only thing that lasts forever, so... God, help us to be pointed in that direction, but we ask uh, for those that are struggling with the fears of what might come next, uh, bodily issues, whether it's, you know, arteries or whether it's uh, eyes or backs or knees or shoulders or the stress of life and work and unknowing of what to do next. God, we just ask that you would give us wisdom and peace that surpasses all understanding. God, you alone can give that to us. You promised us that in, in, in James chapter 1. You said, if any of us lack wisdom, we should ask it from you, but we should not doubt. So God, I ask for two things, for wisdom and to take away all of our doubt. So uh, God, we just love you. We're so thankful for you and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I hope you had an amazing week. Uh, and if you didn't hear, Catherine has to have uh, some eye surgery. Uh, she had a couple eye surgeries already. My, my, my lovely wife, uh, uh, her retina has detached from her eye. Apparently, they just do that sometimes. They just like, I'm out. I'm done. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, Wednesday, we're going to go up to Springfield, and they're going to perform another surgery, and hopefully this one will be the last one for a while, and uh, we'll figure that out. So continue to pray uh, for her, and uh, I know that uh, there's been several people who are already praying for her, and just thank you for your prayers and your love. It's very appreciated. Uh, we're going to continue our series on Journey to the Manger. So this is week 
2. We are in Luke chapter 1, so if you don't have a Bible and you'd like to have one, there are several uh, Bibles uh, in the seats in front of you, or we have some extras hanging around, or there's these crazy cool apps that you can use, uh, one called YouVersion, Y-O-U version, and it has basically every version of the Bible that's ever been uh, written down, and they have it for free. And so I'm like, well, I like the King James. It's like, well, it's there. Well, I like NIV. It's there. I like ESV, which is my personal favorite. It's there, right? I like Hawaiian Pigeon. It's there, okay? Every version that they have written down, they have. So there you go. Uh, the Gospel of Luke, it's one of the four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? So it's the third one. It's about 80% of the way through your physical Bible, if you're looking for it. And last week, we looked at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 37. And this week, we're going to look at uh, 38 <coughs> through 45, sorry. Uh, so just to recap what happened last week in the story, right? Because it's a story on our <coughs> journey to the manger. Uh, it's that beautiful black screen we got going on right now. Um, but... Uh, <coughs> Is that one just like not working right now? Oh, okay. Well, I'll figure that out in a minute. Uh, so this is what happened. Uh, Gabriel is an angel, right? Yeah. And we, we, last week we learned or, you know, relearned that angels are not spirits of people, but they're completely different beings from, from people. They're not you know, spirits in heaven, they're, they're completely different beings uh, in heaven. Um, I keep tripping over this thing. Um, someone's mother made this for me, so thank you for making that. Set that right there. Uh, so uh, Gabriel comes down, an angel of the Lord, and he's sent to this place called Nazareth, right? The booming metropolis of Nazareth and had almost no people, nothing going on, no real business. There wasn't, it wasn't a hub for anything, uh, so much so uh, that people legitimately didn't know that anything good came from there. Uh, so uh, uh, Gabriel, an angel of the Lord, is sent to Nazareth to find a virgin uh, named Mary and gave her fantastic news that she's going to become pregnant with God's baby. And everything was just full of joy and peace, and she was so excited. And Okay, maybe not. Uh, but the angel told her this baby was going to be king forever, Right, but Mary, um, she was a virgin, uh, so uh, it seemed far-fetched, to say the least. Uh, But Mary is willing to be the mother of the Lord, but she's nervous. And that's because 2,000 years ago, uh, in the Jewish culture, uh, a woman was expected to stay a virgin until she was married, and then only supposed to have relations with her husband, and if she didn't, they'd put her to death. And for the first time in human history... An immaculate conception actually took place, right? The first, (laughs) last time in human history, uh, other people have claimed that it's happened, but this was the first time that it actually happened. I've had several people in counseling tell me, I don't know how it happened. And I said, well, this, you're you're too old. You should already know that, right? This is something shouldn't be news to you. Uh, but this is, this is what is taking place. And so last week I asked, right, if you were the mother of Mary or if you were Joseph and you were uh, her husband-to-be, uh, how would you feel, how would you react? Or if you're a young woman uh, who's still of uh, child-rearing uh, age, uh, how would you feel if you were a virgin and God told you you were about to have a baby? Um, who would you tell? Where would you go? What would you do 
next. So that's where we're at uh, in this part of the story, right? Mazar, uh, Mary is in Nazareth. Uh, she was visited by the angel who tells her that the Lord is going to impregnate her and that she's chosen by God and she's blessed to be the mother of the Lord. So knowing that, let's read together. If you're with me, this is again Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 38 and going through verse 45. I'm going to read it out loud, uh, so you can just read along with me or just listen. Okay, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken. Okay, so Mary is all in on the plan, right? The angel comes and says, this is the plan. And Mary goes, whatever you say, right? And those are my favorite people to work with in church because they just come up and they're like, hey, I need you to do that. Like, sure thing, you know, but I've never asked any of you to become uh, pregnant from God's baby. Uh, But, so this is new and this is exciting and she is excited and she is ready to tell only her aunt, Elizabeth. And we don't really know the relationship because Language is hard, and we have terms for all of these things, right? We have aunts and uncles and cousins. Um, So all we know is that they were related. They were family members, but it kind of seems more like an aunt or maybe great aunt type relationship because what we know about Elizabeth is that um, she's at least one generation older than Mary. She's at least one generation because what they said was that she was beyond birthing years. That's what we listened to last week. That's what we read last week. What does that mean? Beyond birthing years? Well, uh, it is different now with modern medicine. Uh, We've pushed that age back where having children um, really until you're 45 is semi-common, right? Um, There was a woman in India who was 74 who gave birth to twins via uh, in vitro fertilization, uh, meaning she paid someone to put a baby in her belly at 74. So, crazy. Okay, Um, you know, but this was not the case. This is not the case in the 1950s and every year prior to the 1950s, and it's not the case in the generation that we're looking at then. So, uh, you know, uh, a pregnancy for a woman over the age of 35 is called a geriatric pregnancy. 35 To this day, if you're over the age of 35 and you get pregnant, it is called a geriatric pregnancy. And some of you are looking at me with very angry eyes, because you're like, I'm double 35. What would that mean for me? Uh, There you go. Now you know that. Uh, You can put that in your back pocket. Uh, So which is why, uh, especially, you know, 2,000 years ago, women would marry so young. 
because uh, this, the, the later on that you get in, in life, the reason it's a geriatric pregnancy is because you're at much higher risk for the woman uh, to have health issues. You're at much higher risk for the, the child to have health issues. And so you need to, the doctors need to take much more intentional care of uh, women over the age of 35, which is why, especially, we, we know that Mary was very young. Mary was likely 14 or 15 years old. Um, and that's... <laughs> That's interesting, uh, but the other part that's really interesting is that a man needed to have money and a place to take care of his wife and child. Oh, how the times have changed, right? Um, <laughs> all the women are like, amen, right? you know. Uh, so as soon as a woman was able to be, uh, was physically ready to have kids, she would get married, and as soon as a man had a place and finances, he would get married, so men were often much older, uh, so it was, it was not uh, abnormal for a man to be 20 or 30 years uh, older than his wife in order to be the provider that he needed to be for his family, because it took a long time to set up a business and to get it going, and what business was Joseph? He was a carpenter, right? Uh, which is just a really easy craft to learn, takes maybe a couple days to master, I think, so... <laughs> So this is what we know. We know that Elizabeth is older than 35, right? She's, she's past the age where it was normal for people to have kids. And her husband, Zechariah, is, is, he's probably around the age of 50. And the reason that we know that, it's complicated. I don't want to go into it. But it's, it, there are other gospels that talk about his duties in the temple, and there was age ranges for people that had duties in the temple. Now, if you go back and you say, well, 500 years ago, they said that Zechariah was 90 and Elizabeth was 70. I'm like, there's no biblical evidence of that. So let's stick to what we know. Again, she's older than the age of 40. And I'm going to guess she's somewhere between 40 and 50, which 2,000 years ago was really old to be having a baby. It took a miracle, literally. And so now we know about Elizabeth and Zechariah and how old they are. They're the parents of John the Baptist, which is a spoiler alert, I know. Uh, but they aren't the focal part of this story right now. Mary, Mary is. So the angel leaves Mary, and it says she goes with haste. She immediately packs up and heads out of town. False. <laughs> says she went with haste. But in our eyes, you know, she just went, right? Okay, she is either pregnant or about to be pregnant and has four months to figure out who to tell and how to tell Joseph, her fiance. So she's like, okay, I gotta I got I got go talk to Elizabeth because Elizabeth was mentioned by the angel. And so she's like, okay, uh, she's clearly important. I gotta go talk to her about this. So this is what the Bible says. This is in verse 39. It says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. Okay, we know through historical evidence that Elizabeth and Zechariah lived in a town called Ein Karem, which is roughly a hundred miles away from Nazareth. And I know that doesn't seem like too far because that's roughly from here to Rice Hill, which I'll make that trip three times this week, unfortunately, uh, due to doctor's appointments. Uh, so it's a hundred miles away. We drive there and back, but it's exhausting to drive there and back, amen? So she had to make haste to make that uh, journey. So I'm 35. I can take care of myself, right? If my truck broke down on the side of the road, no one would fear for my life or my safety. Maybe my mom would, but that's who they are, moms, right? My poor baby, someone's going to hurt him. 
It's like, no, I'm the people that are, other people are afraid of hurting them, not the one that gets hurt. So, uh, right, so if that happened to me, no big deal, I'd be fine. Uh, that was not a journey that a 14 or 15-year-old girl would make by herself, especially not a pregnant one, uh, but especially uh, because it was, it was really, really rough terrain. It was really rough terrain. Not, not only was it 100 miles, but Ein Karim set, set an elevation of 2,474 feet above sea level, while Nazareth was 1,138. So she had to travel 100 miles and rise an elevation almost 1,350 feet. So really, really easy or not. It was not an easy journey. Now, again, we cannot know for sure what happened, but we know this with absolute certainty. There was no way that Mary made this trip alone. Zero percent chance. Women did not travel those roads alone. She would have needed to figure it out. She would have needed to have somebody that could set that up. The journey was far too long for her to walk, let alone travel by herself. There were criminals around uh, everywhere along the path. She could not make this journey in a day, pregnant or not. She would likely have to have been escorted or joined in with a caravan. Traveling from Nazareth to the hills of Judah, Joseph, her fiancé, likely set up the journey and more than likely traveled himself with her. And again, biblically, we don't know exactly what happened, but we know that she didn't die on the journey, so it had to have happened. Uh, she wasn't harmed by someone, so she had to travel with other people. And let me put it in this context. Uh, if you lived in Detroit, which has a six times higher crime rate than the rest of the United States, um, and your teenage fiancé wanted to travel from one end of the town to the other, where she'd have to stay at least a couple nights overnight on her journey there, would you just send her out on her own? Yeah, just, you know, just go, right? Best of luck to you. She's like, I got to go see my aunt. She's on the other side of town. It's going to take me four days to walk there. You go, okay, well, text me when you get there. Bye, you know. No. Uh, so that's not what happened here. Uh, uh, and of course, we would not do that, um, you know. I, I do love that, that none of the conversation was recorded between Mary, uh, but we know how Mary was when she got older. We have several of her conversations recorded when she got older. And let's just say she was a little opinionated, um, focused, driven, uh, <laughs> specifically at the wedding. Uh, so um, I imagine that the conversation went something like this. So Mary's like, hey, Joseph. He's like, yeah. She goes, well, an angel told me my Aunt Elizabeth is pregnant and I want to go see her. What? Yeah, yeah, an angel told me that my Aunt Elizabeth is pregnant. I want to go see her. Uh, do you want to come with me? Uh, Sure, I guess I'll get us connected with the caravan. We'll head that way right now. So I, I imagine that that's how the conversation went. Uh, with haste, she traveled. With fervor and zeal, she traveled to her aunt. It was not a comfortable journey. Even if they were wealthy, which they were not, because they lived in Nazareth, they were not wealthy. If they had money, they would not have lived in Nazareth. But the terrain is bumpy. And the sleeping arrangements were likely not soft by any measurable effect to it as such. Uh, Mary, Mary was safe, though. She made it and sound. And immediately she went to her pregnant aunt, Elizabeth, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her 
womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is cool, not just because I'm pro-life, and this tells us that Elizabeth's unborn child leaped in her womb, but when Mary came to visit, we're told that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Which is really important to take note of because this is before Jesus had died for us on the cross. Right? When Jesus died for us on the cross, he gave us the opportunity to be cleansed of all of our sins, to be purified from all unrighteousness, and for the actual Spirit of the Lord to live within us. And it's a complicated understanding, but basically Jesus, through his work on the cross, is able to clean out all of our junk so that God can live in us. Well, this is before that happened. So this is a righteous, righteous woman filled with the Holy Spirit. That's so cool. <laughs> and it's really cool for me because, you know, Elizabeth is, uh, you know, not a man. Uh, so it's cool to me that uh, we see God empowering women in this story. Okay, and this is what Elizabeth says. She, she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that, another, uh, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby uh, in my womb leaped for joy. <laughs> and blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken. I love it. <laughs> I love it. She exclaimed with a loud cry. Now, my wife Catherine and her friends do this thing when they haven't seen each other in forever, which is, I guess, could only be a loud cry. I don't, I don't know. Uh, they throw their hands up in the air and they screech, Ah, I missed you. I love you. And for us, I was like, okay, well, that was a lot. You know, that was something. Okay. Uh, but they missed each other. And I imagine this is how, you know, this is the scene with Elizabeth seeing Mary uh, one pregnant woman to another. One world-changing pregnancy to another. One Holy Spirit-filled woman to another. Elizabeth is so excited to see Mary that she starts prophesying, calling Mary blessed and the fruit of her womb is blessed and that she's the mother of her Lord and proclaiming that Mary is uh, blessed because she believes in the fulfillment of what was spoken. And the Holy Spirit is telling Elizabeth all of this. And I imagine that Mary was a little concerned because her aunt was so boldly proclaiming these things. Uh, and I'm sure she had to do a look over her shoulder to make sure that Joseph wasn't listening. <laughs> Hopefully Joseph had already left and he couldn't hear this loud proclamation because he, she wasn't ready to tell Joseph this yet. So, but Elizabeth already knew. I'm sure that uh, Mary was planning her speech on the journey there. Man, how do I, how do I, tell, how do I tell Elizabeth what happened? Like, I, I mean, because in the other Gospels, we learned that, uh, you know, and in the beginning of, of Luke, we learned that Elizabeth was on her own journey, that angels had visited her, and that her pregnancy was miraculous. And so, but Mary didn't know any of that. She just was told that Elizabeth was pregnant, so she went to go see her. And then when she goes to see her, it's not just her Aunt Elizabeth, but it's a Holy Spirit-filled woman of God, ready to do what's next, just like she is. And it was the perfect person that Mary could have gone to. Have you ever gone to see someone in your life when you've needed something so badly and they were the perfect person? 
You go through that incident in your life where you're like, I don't, I don't know what to do next. I don't know the next steps to take in my life. And for some reason, this person pops in your head and they're not someone that you've spent a lot of time with, but then you go to them and you see them and you're like, thank you, God, for this person. This is one of those encounters that, that Jesus ordained or uh, that, that God ordained and Jesus was just, you know, it's a complicated story. Uh, but God had ordained and had set all this up, and the Holy Spirit was guiding them and pushing them and leading them here. And I also love the fact that sometimes we need to have really hard conversations, and then someone has that hard conversation for us, like they already know. Like, wow, what a relief. <laughs> they already knew that. Okay, and that's what's going on. Uh, Mary was, I'm sure, was concerned that she would have thought that her, her aunt would think that she was crazy. <laughs> No, an angel didn't come visit you. <laughs> no way. Tell, it's okay. I'm your aunt. You can tell me. What's his name, right? We'll find him. We'll make him. You know, was, is it your fiance? Like, we'll just, we'll expedite the wedding, right? That's what we do, right? Shotgun weddings. Like, we'll make it happen, okay? Uh, he, he's got to make it right. You know, you can tell me, but that's not what happens. Immediately, Elizabeth already knows because Mary was not just greeted by Elizabeth, but the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth was about, she was three months away from giving birth to John the Baptist, and his job was to pave the way for the Messiah. He's going to put all the pieces together. He's going to get the road ready for Jesus, and their ministry together is going to change the world. And it seemed like Elizabeth knew that. <laughs> 30 some odd years before it even happened. And no, we're only in week two of our journey to the manger. And I want to ask this question. Uh, what's the men's role so far in the story? <laughs> Being there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty good, right? Uh, men, our job is the same to this day, which is to keep the women safe, fed, and warm. That's about it, right? Just show up. Just be there. Just keep them safe. Keep them fed. Keep them warm. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you. Uh, we don't get Joseph's part of the story yet because it's not important. Yet. These women and the children in their wombs, that is what is important. How Joseph feels or what Joseph's role is is not important at this time. Mary and Elizabeth, they are important because of their faithfulness to trust in the Lord and his plan in their lives. This is important to stop and rest in this fact for a moment. There are so many minor characters that are vitally important to this story so far, but they don't, they don't get named. Who was on the caravan? Who was there helping Elizabeth around the house? Who was around? Who was helping Joseph with the shop? You know, all of the stuff, we don't, we don't know any of those people. But the story wouldn't be able to keep going forward without them. They're working hard behind the scenes to get the story told, working behind the scenes to make sure the Savior and his cousin are safe, fed, and warm. There are always going to be people like me who are gifted, who can speak, who can tell stories, and everyone will think, wow, look at that person who runs this church so well. But I'm going to boldly proclaim to you that in my opinion that I am the least important person here that serves on Sunday morning. 
And it's okay to disagree, but I need to know that from the bottom of my heart, I, tr I truly believe that, right? If Jim didn't run the slides or our audio tech didn't know how to turn on the sound and fix all the sound problems, uh, I couldn't be seen or heard, at least not online, right? If Mish didn't prepare the bulletins and schedule the volunteers, we'd have no idea who should be here, who should serve when, right? If Alvin and our other volunteers didn't take care of our kids, we'd just have chaos and, you know, children running around like chickens with their heads cut off, and... Nothing would get done. Uh, we have people who greet you as you get out of your car. So thank you, Ed, for doing that. We have people that greet you at the door, people who hand out the bulletins, people who clean the church, people who keep the church, people who make the coffee. Someone had to make our donuts that we ate this morning. Someone had to make the cough drops that I'm using today. Someone had to vacuum. Someone had to do all of these things, all of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And then you get to come here and sit down and be safe, fed, and warm. And so from the bottom of my heart and all of yours, I also I would like you to just say thank you. So let's give them a round of applause. Thank you for all the people that serve. You're just as, as uh, pivotal to everything that I do as, as, as what I do. It would be impossible without you. So thank you so much. I literally could not do this without you. We have amazing, selfless people who care solely about you all being safe, fed, and warm, and happy, and having clean bathrooms, and all of the such. <laughs> but I need you to know that even on the days when you don't feel like anybody sees you or notices you, I do. So thank you. Speaking of which, I'm going to call the, the worship team back up. I see you. I know how much effort it took to put these songs together, and I'm so proud of you and thankful for you. All of my volunteers, thank you for working tirelessly behind the scenes. We could not do church without you. Our elders, everyone that serves, thank you so much. But to recap, as we're wrapping this second week of our journey to the manger, Mary accepts her role as a mother <laughs> of the Lord. She travels with help 100 miles from Nazareth to the hills of Judea to see Elizabeth who already knows of Mary's pregnancy and rejoices with her about it. And it's a beautiful family reunion. So my question for you this week is this. When something happens and it's hard in your life, who is that person that you turn to? Who's that person that you turn to? When life gets tough and you need a caring ear, who do you turn to? God is always there listening to us, but we always need a person too. And if you don't have that person... I need you to pray and ask God to bring that person to you. But if you have that person and they've been that person to you, say thank you. Let's pray. So, Father, we know that you are a God of miracles, not just 2,000 years ago, but even still. So, God, some of us need miracles in our lives, <laughs> and we're asking you to step in and do something big. But, God, we need you to know that even if you don't, even if everything stays the same, we love you. <laughs> we believe in you. God, thank you so much for telling us the story of how you used <laughs> like the most unlikely people to accomplish your great mission. So God, help us to know and to believe that regardless of what's happened in our life so far, you can do great things through us if we trust in you. So God, we just ask you to help us to trust in you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.